Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. So glad you could join us. You're listening to the second part of our year-end series, Everything Can Change. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. If you don't mind standing for a moment longer, I just want to honor the Word of God. I love this text that we're looking at today, Luke chapter 4. It says, He went to Nazareth. This is Jesus. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. Because Jesus didn't have an iPad. Come on, somebody. He didn't have a screen. He unrolls the scroll, and he finds the place where it is written. And the prophet Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And Jesus began by saying to them, today, someone shout today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Come on, somebody. I want to speak this moment, this morning uh, on the subject of true freedom. True freedom, true freedom. Come on, can we clap our hands? You guys can find your seats this morning. And hey, as you find your seat, can you say hello to someone you've never met before? Even if it's awkward, just say, what's up? So glad to meet you. Hey, if we, uh, if we have not yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Harrison, and uh, just so glad to meet you. I have the privilege uh, of leading this church with my lovely wife, Christy, who uh, you may have seen on the stage a moment ago at our baby, uh, at the baby dedication. Um, so we uh, today are in week two of a series we are calling Everything Can Change. Everything Can Change. Anyone here part one of this series? A few people. Uh, well, I'll fill us in. This is our year-end series, and this is something that we do every single year. It is a tradition here at Kingdom Church. Last week, we said it's a pattern that we have here at Kingdom Church. It is simply this. Every single year, we finish our year with a faith series, and this series is about faith. It's about legacy. It's about generosity, and ultimately, what is binding this whole thing together is we have this deep belief that in Jesus, come on, somebody, everything can change. That's what this whole thing is about. And uh, on December 17th, as part of this year-end tradition that we have, uh, we will be taking our year-end offering. Uh, This series is a faith series, and so we say this series isn't just faith with words, um, it's faith in action. And so every year, come on somebody, for six years, we have finished our year by taking this offering, just believing that to live in faith is to sow in faith, and that God, uh, when we step out, always does more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. So today, I want to stretch our faith a little bit. Can I do that today? And what I want to say is this. uh, I believe that faith and freedom go hand in hand. So here's what's important. The more faith that I have, the more free I am. 
So faith and freedom go hand in hand. The more faith I have, the more free I am. Galatians chapter 5. I love this text. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love that text. You want to know what Jesus is all about? Freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, though, he says, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So this is important. Here, here's the truth. I think this is true of what it means to be human. We as humans are created for freedom. Every single one of us longs for freedom. There is something innate in our human spirit where we have a bend towards freedom. I would say it like this. To be human is to be free. Which is why there is something deep inside of us when we see injustice, when we see oppression, when we see people being taken advantage of. There's a reason it speaks to us at such a deep level. It is simply this. It is because it is that we were created for freedom. So when we, when we see things or people that are not free, that is actually going against what is ingrained inside of us, which is freedom. Now, here's the irony. All of us, come on, anyone love freedom in this place? Like, I just want to be free. Um, here's the irony of what it means to be human. Oftentimes, the things that we think will bring us freedom are the very things that enslave us. In other words, many times, we don't actually know what it is to be free, and the things that we think will make us free often trap us. Come on, somebody. Anyone ever been there? I have, um, we have four kids, uh, my wife and I, and uh, I love kids because kids can teach you a whole lot about humanity, and a lot of times, like we all know this, but uh, many times we view kids sometimes as like pre-humans, like, ah, oh, they're, just, they're just kids, they're not, they're just kids, um, but I think if we humble ourselves, there's a whole lot that we can learn from kids, uh, because you want, you want to know why? Because kids are human, they're just little. And so there's a lot about humanity that you can learn in kids. So we currently right now have, um, we have three toddlers and a baby. And one of what it is to raise toddlers is simply this. Um, make sure that they eat <laughs> at least healthy, somewhat. Um, like our son Judah, he's built different, man. Um, he eats noodles three meals a day. <laughs> like at 6.45 a.m., he's like, noodles, just... He's just ready to rock. Um, and I'm convinced that, you know, the rest of our kids, they don't love noodles that much, but I'm convinced when it comes to toddlers that uh, if it were up to them, they would just eat cookies every single meal. Breakfast, noon, supper, just give me the good stuff. And I know that for them, a picture of what freedom looks like is the ability to eat the cookies every single meal. Like, there's probably moments like, I can't wait till I'm an adult, then I can just eat these cookies. <laughs> and for them, that's what freedom looks like. Now, I can tell you really quickly that they won't be free because if you have cookies every single meal, three meals a day, your teeth are going to rot really soon. And the person with gingivitis isn't as free as they want to be. <laughs> now, we look at children and we think, oh, kids, those dumb kids. But what we don't realize is that much of the qualities that are innate in children exist in us. We just switch the cookies for something else. Now, some of you in this room, maybe you're still on the cookies, which 
All the power to you. But one of the things, we we live in this culture right now that is hyper-individualistic. And so oftentimes what is seen as the ultimate good is to do that which is best for you. Right? Just live your truth. Do the things that make you feel good. And ultimately what our culture is saying is do the things that make you feel free. What our culture doesn't recognize is that oftentimes the things that it's prescribing to us for our freedom don't actually make us free. You want to know what the biggest difference between a child and an adult is? It's simply this. As an adult, I don't have a parent that tells me no. But sometimes I indulge in the same kind of stuff. It might not be cookies, but for some of us, it's Netflix. For some of us, it's relationships, it's patterns. But the point is we have all of these things inside of us that we think will make us free. The question I want to ask this morning to all of us is simply this. How you doing? If you're in this room, are you actually free? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, where is your freedom level? Because here's what's ironic. People don't know this, but when they think about what it means to follow Jesus, oftentimes on the outset, people are like, man, to follow Jesus is to be like restricted and to follow all these rules and to live a less than good life. And and I'm, I'm just, I can't do what I want. What's ironic is that Christianity is about one thing, freedom. So don't you think if there was an enemy, he would try to get you to think that Christianity is the one thing that it's not? It's all about freedom. Question is this, are we free? And so today what I want to do is I want to speak about true freedom. And as a church, I want us as a body of believers to ask the question, am I free? If you're in this place and maybe you don't know where you stand with Jesus, here's the question. Is the way that you're living, is the things that you're doing, are you experiencing freedom? Because if you're not, I want to suggest today maybe there's a better way. And even more than that, I want to show us maybe there's a person that you've been looking for. So uh, you guys ready to roll this morning? Come on, Luke chapter 4 is where we are in uh, just a little context. Jesus is beginning his public ministry. So he hasn't quite yet done anything. This is the very beginning. Uh, Luke chapter 4, and, so, and so, so Jesus, he goes to the synagogue. And what the synagogue was uh, for the Jewish people, it was like their church. So Jesus rolls up. He comes to Jewish church, and uh, Jesus goes to read. It was custom for someone to come and to read the word of God. So that's where we are. Make sense? Jesus stood up to read. Uh, Verse 17, it says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So for the Jewish people, here's what's important. Um, If you guys have a Bible uh, in your proximity today. You're you're doubly blessed. Um, The Old Testament is what the Hebrews just called their Bible, right? So the Hebrew Bible is our Old Testament, and they didn't have it in Bible form. Some of us are like, oh my gosh, this thing is so hard. Like, how do I read this index? Hey, be thankful it's not a scroll. Because someone's like, can you hand me Isaiah? Sure, right? So um, Jesus gets the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, For us, this is what we call our book of Isaiah. And where Jesus turns to is Isaiah chapter 61. So if you have a physical Bible, he's about to read Isaiah chapter 61. And this is important 
Because Isaiah chapter 61 that Jesus is about to read here in Luke chapter 4 is what is known as a messianic prophecy. A messianic prophecy. You're like, what is that? So for the Jewish people in their, in their Hebrew Bible, again, what we call our Old Testament, there were all of these prophecies foretelling or predicting or letting the people know that there was someone who was coming. There was a Savior who was coming. Messiah or Christ or anointed one or Savior. All of these words kind of mean all the same things. In other words, a messianic prophecy is anything in the Old Testament that foretells the coming Messiah. Does that make sense? We're, we're in Advent season. This whole season is about the coming of the Messiah. So Jesus is about to read this prophecy concerning the Messiah. That makes sense? So Jesus reads Luke 4 verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what Jesus reads in this scroll is basically a messianic job description. There's like, hey, there's a savior coming. This is what he's going to do. Now, as we go through all, all of these things, and I'm going to go through it more in a moment, the one thing that I can't help but see, the one theme that I see in these scriptures, if I were to put one word um, I would say there's someone coming, there's an anointed one, there's a savior, there's a Messiah coming, and he is going to bring freedom. And what we're going to see, though, as we go through these things, there are four conditions, four types of people that the Messiah is specifically coming to set free. So what I want to do is I want to go through this list, I want to go through these four types of people. And I want us to see, perhaps, especially if you're in this room, and you're thinking to yourself, I think I'm free. I don't know. if Maybe I'm free. If you find yourself on this list, I would suggest perhaps you're looking for something, but more importantly, someone. Luke 4, verse 18. So we're going to go through this. Four types of people. So it says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So here's the first type of person that the Messiah is coming for. Number one, the Messiah, the Savior, is coming for the poor. <laughs> I made this joke first service, not a whole bunch of young adults, but like young adults are like, he's coming for me. <laughs> the Savior coming, come on, somebody. Uh, now, this word poor does literally describe people that don't have financially. But uh, the Greek word there uh, that I've been practicing all week to say uh, is patokos. Can you guys all say patokos? <laughs> Sounded more oriental than Greek, but here we are. Um, you like that one? Um, <laughs> so that word and what it means is, 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 is a deeper word than just someone who is poor. Patokos is actually describing a posture. And the posture that this word is trying to describe is literally someone who is bent and hunched over, posturing themselves because they have 
nothing. That is the picture that Patokos is trying to paint. It is someone who doesn't just have, it's not that they just lack financially, it is someone whose soul is barren. Someone who is empty. Look at this. Someone who is lacking not just financially, but someone who is lacking in deep and meaningful relationships. This word that the Savior is coming from is for people that don't have that which they need. And so what happens for a poor person, for, for someone, Patokos, is that they begin to develop this poverty mindset. And a poverty mindset simply says this, I don't have enough. I will never have enough. I don't have any friends. No one sees me. I will never have that which I'm looking for. This prophecy is saying that someone is coming for this type of person. The Messiah came for the poor. Does that make sense? Let's go to number two. It says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. The theme you're going to see here really quickly is that all of these words have a deeper meaning than that we see, that, that just on the surface. So, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. <clears throat> Here's the second kind of person that this Savior is coming for. He's coming for the captives. Now, again, this word is deeper than just, like, literally someone who is in prison. So, like, this isn't like, <laughs> there's a Messiah, like, there's not, it's not Robin Hood. Like, someone's coming to break me out of jail, yeah. The picture literally is someone who's enslaved, why? Because there is a debt that can't be paid. So the person who is imprisoned is literally someone who owes a debt that they cannot pay. The Messiah, the chosen one, the Savior, is coming for the people who feel like they owe something that they could never pay themselves. That's the captives. It says, and he's in recovery of sight for the blind. The third person is this, that the, that the Savior's coming for. It's the blind. Now, one of the, 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 the markings of the Messiah was that literally the Messiah was going to cause the blind to see. Those who cannot see can now see. But again, even more than that, there is something deeper to this. This word is describing something more, not, not so much literal, even though it is, but also spiritual. And so the Savior is coming for those people who cannot see their true condition. There's someone coming for those of the people that don't even know that they need someone. There's someone coming. He's coming for the people that don't know that they need him because they're blind. He's coming for the people who cannot see themselves the way that they're supposed to see themselves, who are blind to the beauty that exists in them. A savior is coming for them, for, for the blind. The last one is this. There's a savior coming to set the oppressed free. The fourth person that the savior is coming for is the oppressed. Now, really quickly, our minds probably go to people who are subjugated, maybe to, to, to minorities, 
socioeconomic people that have, have, have been oppressed, whatever it is, but that word, like literally, is the Greek word threno, which I think sounds like thanos. But this word literally means, like threno, oppressed, it literally means something that is shattered or broken into pieces. Who are the broken? Who are, who are the oppressed? The oppressed are the broken. They're those people who feel like life has beaten them down. They've taken hit after hit. They've taken loss after loss. One, one commentator puts it like this. Thrano or the oppressed are the people who have been broken by calamity, crushed by the circumstances of life. Look at this. To the point that they see no way of escape. Who are the oppressed? They are the people who literally don't think there is a way out. The people who are on the end of their line. There's a savior. This is the prophecy. You guys following? The prophecy says there's someone coming for the oppressed. There's someone coming for the blind. There's someone coming for the captives. There's someone coming for the poor. Verse 19, it says, and this person is coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this is cool. Um, in, in Judaism, they had this thing called a year of jubilee. And this right here is, is referencing a year of jubilee. And a year of jubilee in Judaism happened every 50 years. And every 50 years at the year of jubilee, two important things would happen. Number one, all the slaves would be released in a year of jubilee. And number two is that if there were debts that were owed, the debts would be canceled. How many are right now? Like, I have some debts that I, I need a jubilee year. Come on, somebody. So what he's saying, he's saying the Messiah is coming for all of these people. The Savior is coming for all of these people to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim a jubilee, but not just any jubilee, a jubilee of jubilees, to say that debts are going to be canceled, that things that were once owed are going to be forgiven, and slaves are going to be set free. In other words, what this is saying, this thing that Jesus reads, this messianic prophecy from Isaiah 61, is that someone is coming who is going to bring true Freedom. Now here's what's interesting. For the Jewish people, for hundreds of years, they would have read Isaiah chapter 61, waiting and hoping for the one that was to come, the one that was for the poor, for the blind, for the broken, for the oppressed. Yet what's interesting is today, there are many Jewish people who are waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled. They're waiting for the Savior to come. Now what I want to suggest is that the four things that I just described are actually four things that not just religious people, not just spiritual people, not just Christians, not just Jews, these are four things and really four cries that connect and unite all of humanity. And I wonder as I went through this list how many of us in this room felt like I'm broken. I'm oppressed. 
can't see things the way I want to see them. And what I said off the top is that we as humans, we are built and we are designed to pursue freedom. And so all of these conditions that I described, none of us have faculties within us that allow us to stay in these conditions. And so what happens then is that we will search for something to get us out of that place. Because I cannot be oppressed. I cannot be blind. I cannot be poor. I cannot be held captive. The issue, as I said off the top, is that many times we look to the wrong things to bring us freedom. For a lot of us in this moment, because we live in this secular age, and what secular means is literally just without God. So when I say we're in a secular culture, we're in a culture that doesn't um, necessarily worship, pursue, or, or care about the ways of God. So we're in a secular moment right now. We're in a secular culture. And so one of the things that secular cultures do is they look for secular solutions to brokenness. And so one of the big things that we are seeing right now in a culture that is so desperately broken, we're looking to places like the government to heal our brokenness. If I can just get my party in power, if, I, if we can just elect the right mayor, do you want to know how many lives will change forever? If we can just have a little bit more diversity, a little more equality, then everything would change. Now hear me, governments, policies, equality, all this stuff is fine. But I want you to understand, disconnected from God, there is no power in them. And so what happens is secular cultures and secular societies are looking for solutions that are spiritual in nature. And so spiritual problems will never be solved by secular solutions. And so what happens is we beat our heads against a wall because it's like, oh my gosh, I thought when the liberals were in, things would get better. I thought when the conservatives were in, things would get better. But governments will never fix heart problems. Now some of us are like, you know what, Harrison, I don't know a thing about politics. I don't even know who won last time. I see stickers on trucks sometimes, and so that gives me a clue. <laughs> Took some people a while over there. <laughs> like, oh, I've seen that one. Some of us don't care about policies, governments, whatever, but the truth is this. You're looking for something to be free. And one of the things that many of us do in a culture that I call hedonistic, hedonistic just means seeking pleasure. So for a lot of us, what we do to, to fix and to mend and to heal our brokenness is we just look to pleasure. And we think to ourselves, if I could just have a little bit more pleasure, then I won't feel this brokenness. Then I won't feel this emptiness. Then I won't feel this loneliness. And so we do this through relationships. We say, if, if, someone, if, I, if there was just someone, if I could just find my person. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me not to crack a joke. <laughs> then I wouldn't feel this way. 
And so for some of us, we go to anything that can help us feel better, anything that can give us a dopamine hit because I don't want to feel like this anymore. And so for some of us, we go to sex. For some of us, we go to drugs. For some of us, we go to food. For some of us, we go to alcohol. For some of us, we go to Netflix. Anything that can give me just a little bit of an escape so I don't feel this brokenness, so I don't feel this oppression, so I don't feel the way that I'm feeling right now because I just feel empty. Can I tell you the reason you feel the way you feel is because you were created for freedom? Here's the question. Are you free? The way you've been going, the direction you've been walking, is it leading you to freedom? For the Jewish people, for thousands of years, they're still waiting for this person. Still waiting for someone to set them free. For some of us, it's been maybe not thousands of years, but it's been a number of years searching, looking for the thing, looking for the substance, looking for the job, looking for the relationship that'll set you free. Jesus reads the text. Then Luke chapter 4, verse 20, it says he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And this is important. Uh, in the Jewish synagogue, uh, when the text, the scriptures were read, um, the teacher would stand, right? Give an honor to the word. Come on, somebody. If you're like, why do we stand at church and I want to sit down? We give honor to the word because we think there's power. Now, when Jesus sits down, um, he, he doesn't sit down because he's done. Uh, he sits down because for, for the rabbi or for the teacher, after they read the text, they would sit down and they would expound on the text. So I started the message by reading the text. What you've gotten for the last 25 minutes has been me expounding the text. Does that make sense? Jesus does the very thing right here. He reads the text and then he sits down to expound on it. Look what he says. He began by saying to them, today, come on somebody, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You want to know what he's saying? Come on somebody, you can clap your hands. He's saying, everything that I have just read, this person who will set the captives free, this person who will cause the blind to see, this person who will bring freedom to the oppressed, who will bring, who will bring people out of poverty, he says, this person is here right now, today, in this moment. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus' sermon was real simple. I am he. It's me. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. It's not tomorrow. It's, it's today. And so I want to speak to someone today. And listen, maybe you're in this place and you're experiencing the freedom of Jesus. Amen. But I can promise you this. You have people in your life that you work with, that you see, that God has placed in your premise, that are feeling broken, that are feeling poor, that are feeling oppressed, and that are blind to understand what is happening around them. Jesus is saying, for the poor, this is so cool, I have good news. 
For those that feel like you don't have anything, for those that feel like you don't have deep and meaningful relationships, for those of you guys that feel unseen, you feel like in this posture of I'm barely making it by, he says, I have good news. For the one that feels like they are not enough, Jesus says, I am enough. God says, for those of you guys that don't feel like you can make it another day, I'm here to provide for your needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I love what Paul says. He says, my God. He doesn't say a God. He doesn't say the energy of the universe. He doesn't say positive thinking. He doesn't say good vibes only, hashtag. He says, my God will meet all of your needs to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There's only one. There's only one person that can give you what you're looking for. There is only one person that can truly heal the depths of poverty, and his name is Jesus. So for the poor, I got good news. For the prisoner, come on somebody. For those who are held captive, the Messiah proclaims freedom. Jesus is saying, today I proclaim freedom for those who feel held captive. Now remember, what was that word? That word was a debt that cannot be paid. So listen to me for a moment. There's someone in this room, you did something a long time ago. And for the last number of years, you have this persistent voice in your head that says no matter what you do, you'll never be forgiven. No matter what you have done, the debt can never be paid. That was too bad. That was too wrong. That was too much. And I want you to understand something. Scripture lets us know there's an enemy. And the devil, the Bible calls him the father of all lies. And he's been a liar since the very beginning. Now, one of the ways that the devil lies to us and why it is so powerful is that he lies in half-truths. I always say this. No one's going to believe a bold-faced lie. But we can fall for half-truths. And so one of the half-truths that the devil says to us is that you've done something so bad and there's nothing in your power that you could ever do to make it right. That part's true. Here's the lie. So give up. Just end it. It's not worth it. Go, go deeper. Do more. Now here's what I want to affirm. Whatever it is that we've done, the places we've gone, there's nothing that we can do to make it right. But in Jesus, come on somebody, there is someone who has done what we could not do. There is someone who has made us right. There is someone who has taken the unforgivable and he has forgiven us. I love 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul is a church planter. He's a preacher. One time he was a persecutor of Christians. One time he was standing there as Christians were getting killed, clapping his hand, saying, kill those mother suckers. So here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, I'm the worst. I said mother sucker in church. Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life.
What did the Messiah do? He came to forgive the unforgivable. He came to, he came to, to, to forgive the worst sinner of whom I'm the worst. Here's the saying for my life. When the devil tries to condemn me, you're a sinner. Here's what I say. Yep, but I'm saved. Because someone came to set me free. The Christ has come also to give sight to the blind. This is so cool. Because for a lot of us, we don't know how lost we are. For some of us in this room, we didn't know how lost we were. You guys ever look back on life and just realize how stupid you were? Like, I thought I knew everything. I thought my ways were the best ways. I thought my ways led to life. I was blind. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, while, notice this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was blind, while I was dumb, while I was living literally as an enemy of God, as an enemy to the kingdom, while I was living my way that I thought was the best way but was actually stupid, Jesus died for me. Why? Because he came so that the blind would see. For someone today, you don't know how valuable you are. And every time you let insecurity win, every single time you look in the mirror and you don't feel like you're good enough, you are being blinded to the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm here to let you know there's a Savior that cared for you so deeply that wants you to know just how valuable, how loved, how worthy, how worth it you are. He wants you to see you for who you really are. And for the last one, for the oppressed, he's bringing freedom. For those of us that feel like life has been too hard, come on, some of us have gone through some things in this room that we just don't deserve. Remember the word, broken into pieces. Someone in this place feels like I'm just a whole bunch of different broken pieces. There's someone coming. Jesus says today, today this is fulfilled. That's putting the pieces back together. There's someone, you, you want to know what this is all saying? There's someone coming. Jesus says, I am he. And that person is going to change everything. It's going to change everything. And that invitation is available to us in this room today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. I can't, I can't move forward. If anyone is in, come on, if anyone. You want to know what this means? It means for the person that feels like they've done some things that are unforgivable. This is for the broken. This is for the lost. This is for the stupid. This is for the immoral. This is for whatever you think that you have done that disqualifies you from being in the presence of God. It says anyone who is in Christ is a what? A new creation. That means the old me is dead and gone. I love quoting the prophet T.I. The old me is dead and gone. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. Other translation says, behold, the new is here. If I'm in Jesus, I'm not who I was. 
All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Why can I be made new? Why don't I have to be defined by my past? Because Jesus has wiped it all away. Every sin, all my shame is gone. And those who are in Christ are a new creation and God has reconciled us to him through Jesus. So listen, if you're in this place today, if you feel broken, if you feel lost, if you feel hurt, and I want, I want you to understand that today there's an invitation. Today there's an opportunity for new life. Now, some of us in this room are saying, Harrison, you know what? If I was there, if I was in that room, if I could have a tangible person, if I could just tangibly see Jesus, if he could give me the invitation himself, then I would accept this new life. It'd be so much easier if there was a tangible representation that I could see, that I could know, that the blind do see, that the poor are made new, that the captives are set free. What is there? For me today, Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, and now Jesus has committed to us, this is the church, the message of reconciliation. We, you and I, the church, are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though, Look at this, look at this, you, you can't miss this. If you ever felt like, ah, church is so boring, I have no purpose, you missed the whole point. As though God were making his appeal through us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood on a stage in a Jewish synagogue and he made an appeal. He said, today, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be broken any longer. But this part just blows my mind. He says, now us, the church, we make that same appeal to people. We proclaim freedom to people. We help the captives be set free. We bring sight to the blind and we bring good news to the poor. Us. Isn't that crazy? Church isn't about singing songs. It's not about coming and listening. It's about a body of believers that now are a literal representation of Christ on earth. That are his. You want to know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank that represents only the one person higher than them, the king. So the church, God has given us authority to represent him. So this season, this series that we are in, it is an invitation for us as a church, twofold. Number one, and I'm, I'm gonna make this appeal in full in a moment, but if you don't feel like you have enough, if you don't have hope, if all of those words I described describe you, I'm gonna give you an invitation in a moment. But for those of us, maybe we've experienced the freedom of Jesus. Our job now is to step back into the game and say, I represent Jesus now. I'm here to proclaim freedom. 
I'm here to help people see things they've never seen before. And I'm just so proud of our church in this season. I'm, I'm going to go in depth um, a little bit more next week and more specific next week. But um, as a church, I just happen to believe that Kingdom Church, we are doing all of the things that this messianic prophecy is proclaiming. Can I just share something real quick? It's kind of cool, but th- this year um, we do Generosity Project. You guys on Generosity Project? All the good stuff we did. Um, this year uh, we are going to give away um, $20,000 worth of stuff over the whole year. Now, you guys know this, but every single month we, we go downtown, right? We do outreach and we literally give stuff to the poor. Like we, we literally fulfill this. But here's what's cool. It's, it's not just financial, right? The poor is anyone who is poor, not just financially, but also poor relationally. Can I share something I'm really proud of as our church and what we're doing to help proclaim this message? Um, this quarter, this semester, whatever you want to call it, um, we have the most people in Kingdom Cruise that we've ever had. So, so listen, this number is as accurate as you showing up to your group. So I'm just reading from Planning Center, people that are in groups. Um, we have 133 people that are in small group this quarter. Come on, somebody. Because as a church grows larger, we need to grow smaller. Because we need people that know us, that see us. And I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling unseen, get into a group. Come to youth if you're a youth. Come to young adults. You need people that know your name. Because as a church, man, we're here for the poor. For the captives. For those who are stuck in sin patterns. In patterns of brokenness. Man, we're doing soul care as a church. Right? We, we literally went through soul care, but also, man, we have a group that takes people through soul care. Why? Because we want to help put the broken pieces back together. It's why we do things like growing pains. Seven weeks, you're like, Harrison, it hurts so bad. Why would you have to do that? It's because I don't want us to be slaves to bitterness. Because we serve a God that proclaims freedom for the blind. Man, there are so many people that have come to this place in the last year. And it's a very similar testimony. I didn't know how lost I was before I came to this place. My marriage was on the rocks before I came to this place. For some of us, your story is literally this. Before I came to this place, before I got plugged into this community, I was on the edge of despair. I didn't know if I could live another day, but in Jesus' name, at Kingdom Church, come on somebody, the dead are coming back to life. Our goal and why we do this series is because there are so many people in this room. You have people, or maybe you are the person that is still broken, that is still oppressed, that is still blind. And we just believe that God has called this church for such a time as today to set the captives free. On December 17th, as we take this year end offering in faith, we do it believing that when we sow, God does more. For six years, we've taken this offering 
And every single year there's been a word attached to it. And God has been faithful to that word every single year. And the word for this year is everything can change. So when we come together in faith in two weeks to give, we're doing so believing that everything will literally change. Can we stand for a second, church? If you're in this place, the first appeal I want to make is simply this. For some of us, it's the very first time. For some of us, a recommitment. But if you're in this space and you just feel lost, you feel broken, you feel depressed, you feel beaten down, you feel blind, you feel poor in spirit, I want to let you know there's a Jesus, there's a God who has made a way where there was no way. And he's inviting you into relationship today. Some of us have been walking the opposite direction for a long time, but Jesus says one word. He says, today. Today, this is fulfilled. So every, every head bowed, every eye closed as we finish this up. If you're in this place and you want to make that very first time commitment to Jesus or you want to make that recommitment to him in this place, can you show me your hand? I would love to pray for you in this place. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see every single hand and you see every heart. You know every broken spirit. You know every oppressed soul. So today, in Jesus' name, we are just praying for freedom. We're praying that freedom would reign in this place. We're praying that those who were lost would be found. God, I just thank you for the decisions, for the lives that are turning and are changing right here, right now. God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God. So do what only you can do in this moment. Do what only you can do in our hearts. Last appeal, and I know for some of us, you've already felt this in your spirit, so I'm just encouraging you to take the next step. Uh, for those of us that want to get baptized, it's the public proclamation of the decision you made in your heart. And even more than that, is this, it is the symbol, literally, of putting to rest the old self and coming out as a new creation. So for those of you guys that have been wrestling with baptism, I want to encourage you, fill out a connect card. Um, and just type, just check off, get baptized. Because uh, we would love to walk that journey, love to talk with you in that. Um, it is the first step, not the last step, um, in a commitment to Jesus. So uh, with that being said, uh, Father, speak to our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.